This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our very first edition of Hot Stove for 2021. Finally, we get a chance to say goodbye to a long 2020 year and look forward to an exciting season with more talented young players on their way to the big leagues in a Mariners uniform. Hi again, everybody. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And Gary has stoked the fires of the hot stove with some great guests to kick off the new year. Coming up in the first hour, we're going to visit with Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto and talk all things baseball. Looking back on the 2020 season and looking forward to 2021. In the second hour of Hot Stove, we're going to talk with Mariners first baseman Evan White, who in his rookie season last year won a gold glove. One of a few rookies to ever win a gold glove in the big leagues, their first year in a big league uniform. How about that? We'll also visit with infield coach Perry Hill. He's got to be thrilled with J.P. Crawford and Evan winning gold gloves. We're going to visit with Coach Perry Hill. And we're also going to visit with longtime beat writer Greg Johns from MajorLeagueBaseball.com. Greg is retiring after many years of covering Major League Baseball and the Seattle Mariners. Gary Hill. I can't wait for the start of spring training. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. It's great to see you. This is a little different for us. Usually we're recording these in, in our studios at our flagship at 710, but this is a different look. We're actually doing the show from the ballpark, which is great. It is fun <laughs> to be here. Although the roof is open, so it's just pouring on the field. And there's, But what a great sight. The grass looks perfect. It, it looks It's amazing to be here, and it really makes you want baseball to get here, right? Exactly. It's great. Coming up next, we're going to visit with Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto right after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Here's the pitch on the way. Breaking ball, swing, and a fly ball. Right center, feel it deep. Moore going back, Lewis going back, Lewis with a leap, and he makes the catch at the top of the wall in right center field. Holy smokes! What a catch by Kyle Lewis. Justin Turner way back into the gap, and with a full head of steam, Kyle going back to the wall at the top of the fence, brings it back. What a play by Lewis, one away. And welcome back to our first hour of Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill, and our very special guest here in the first edition of Hot Stove is... uh, Mariners general manager Jerry DePoto beginning his sixth season as the GM of the ball club. Here's the guy that stokes the fire of the, the hot stove to get the burning embers going for what we hope is going to be a hot pennant race in the American League West this year. Jerry, welcome to our first edition of Hot Stove. And uh, thank you very much. Happy New Year, number one. And what kind of off season has it been uh, for you the last few months? Well, first, Happy New Year. It's a, It's been a decidedly warm stove. <laughs> I guess it's... It's not a flaming fire yet. Yeah, we are we are typically pretty active. You know, we're one of those teams that that generally does you know stoke the embers and and you know keeps it interesting through the off season. This season, this off season's moved at a at a slow pace. And, yeah. And I think we all, to a certain degree, expected that, you know, coming off of the, the 2020 season and, and a lot of the struggle with, with COVID-19 and, and not knowing uh, a, a lot about what the, the forecast looks like for 21. But, you know, as we sit here, we have done, we the Mariners have done, I think, some of what what, what we plan in terms of improvement in our bullpen. Uh, we added more young talent to our system overall. 
and you know we're geared up we're planning on going to spring training on time and and starting a season with with what we think is going to be an exciting group of young players that you got a chance to look at for the first time in 2020 who are going to get a couple of extra boosts from in the system and from guys that we've acquired over the last six to nine months and you know we're excited about the the group we're going to run out there Last year was a year where you couldn't plan for. I mean, this it was in our, all of our lives a, a very strange years for all the obvious reasons. And you had a plan. Did last year affect the big picture plan in terms of competitive window and that sort of thing? It, it also affected my restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. But yeah, it, I mean, it affected life. You know? Yeah, and, yeah. And I did. I think it did for thirty clubs and. And we had to take a, a look at our what we forecast was coming into 2021 with the belief that in a two-year period we were going to be able to add advanced-level prospects mm-hmm. or, or young major league players as we reset our roster. And this dates back to, to the end of 2018. And, and we thought that the second half of 2020 in a normal 162-game season – would provide us the platform to watch those young players really grow because that's usually what happens. Three, four hundred plate appearances for the hitters, right. you know, a hundred-ish innings pitched for the for the pitchers, and you start to see that first big step. And you know, we thought that would happen midpoint of last season, and lo and behold, we wound up playing a sixty-game season. What we couldn't have expected is that for the most part. Those same young players that usually take that big step forward in, in in that prescribed fashion, you know, history tells you, they took that step forward anyway. And yeah. and we saw in the second half a lot of those young guys with significantly fewer reps really did start to show that level of improvement. And, you know, while we believed at the beginning of this that 2021 would be the year where we could really step into that contending window – we're going to be a little more conservative in how we view that. We still think that we're improving. We do think that we have a chance to be on the back end of the, the of contention for a postseason spot, one of those wild card spots, if things break in the right way for us. But we want this season to be about the continued development of the young players. And, and perhaps by the midpoint of this season, before we get to, to the traditional trade deadline, yeah. we can see that big step that leads us into a really exciting stage in Mariners baseball. Even though, Jerry, last year was a shortened season, just 60 ball games, I think you learned so much about your organization, especially some young players. Kyle Lewis, we'll talk a lot about Kyle Lewis coming up here in the next few minutes the American League Rookie of the Year, but but Dylan Moore, what what stood out for you uh, about the 2020 season last year to propel you into 2021? Well, I, I think the resiliency of our players is the the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, that that group of players, not not just us, the you know the Mariners. It was it was it was the Mariners. It was the players at our alternate site, and it was times thirty. You know, it was right. thirty teams in the league. There had never been a. a, a class of major league baseball players that had to deal with what this group had to deal with and and the the hurdles that they had to hop and you know playing with masks on and 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 the the different types of distancing that we you know we we had to implement and and the players did a wonderful job of adhering to to the game plan and sticking uh, sticking to the rules and, and and obeying the protocols and seeing that kind of resiliency that kind of discipline from our group was was phenomenal 
and and then watching players improve in a, in a time where you just weren't getting the reps is yeah. it's a it's the only way that I've ever known that you get better at something is if you study it and and you practice it mm-hmm. and our guys really didn't have the ability to practice it but through sheer focus the intensity of our work days was they were shorter work days but the intensity of those work days was phenomenal and what stands out to me is how much better such a you know a young group got without really having all of the reps that would normally be available to them it's funny that you mentioned uh, the challenges from last year i go back and forth on whether it would be harder for a rookie being the first time you're in the big leagues and you have everything else going on, or a veteran where everything was so different last year. I, I can't decide who was harder on rookies or veterans last year. I guess it was hard on everybody is probably the answer. It probably is, but I would I would say that the, the rookie not knowing, and this is one advantage that we may have had, the rookie not knowing what to expect right coming into this environment i do think that it allowed for a little bit of an easier transition especially not having to go on the coast-to-coast trips Mm -hmm. not the the playing in front of you know roughly cardboard yeah. crowds yeah. it was was frozen I thought, faces in mine <laughs> it really was yeah. uh, among them my family <laughs> yeah. i had my cat on <laughs> yeah, I had the, my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we uh you know um, in that type of environment it did allow for for some struggle to occur and the players not to feel like the world was crashing on mm. them because you know one of the, the things that makes you know transitioning hard for a young player is when you know you've disappointed that crowd when the crowd reacts in a negative way when you're getting that that negative feedback yeah. in the loop that just doesn't it didn't happen in 2020 and and I do think that that allowed our players to focus on what they could control in a different way than they might in, in a normal environment and you know and I don't know if that was ideal because they also lost out on the adrenaline that, yeah. that can push you from a crowd but there was there was some small advantage with the young team that I think probably hurt the veteran team. You know, the the older player who'd been around it, who's made these adjustments, they come in and they thrive on on the the, the energy of the crowd. The young guy may have actually benefited in a moment from coming in, and and it's a and I don't know. That's just a me throwing out an opinion on a on a you know. Me, perhaps a cardboard theory. It, 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 I do think that there was some small advantage to a team like us who was graduating young players to the big leagues for the first time rather than a built-out veteran-laden club who was probably deflated by not having the energy behind them. Yeah, I totally agree about the energy. We're sitting at T-Mobile Park here and looking out at left center fields where Kyle Lewis made that incredible catch in the game against the Oakland A's, Ramon Laureano, Hits what is going to be a Grand Slam home run, but Kyle gets to the wall, jumps about four feet over the wall, and makes the catch. Imagine what the adrenaline would have been like for him. Mm. And it was outstanding, you know, hopping in, up and down, up and down with with no fans in the ballpark. Imagine with 40,000 fans here at T-Mobile Park would have been like for Kyle Lewis, who had an incredible year. The American League Rookie of the Year. Congratulations to Kyle Lewis. Burst onto the scene in September of twenty. 19 home runs in six of his first 10 games. And then his first swing of the year last year hits a home run off of Justin Verlander. What what did you see from Kyle Lewis that he took from 2019 into 2020, Jerry? Confidence. In a word, confidence. And, and, and I do think that if I had to, to speak on behalf of all young players in the league, that's what they're looking for is that confidence. And some show up on the, the day they get here, they have it. 
and they know they fit. Some need to find it and wade out into the water and know that it's okay. And and I think Kyle in in the September of 2019. He had a fine season in Double A that year, but not a season that jumped off the the page. He had a nice on base percentage, but most importantly, he he took his reps. He played defense and he played every day. He showed up in in September that year and just started crushing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he it, it was it was the home runs. It was to right center. It was big time exit velocity. Yeah. He was doing the things that that high-end, middle-of-the-order bat prospects do. And, you know, this is a guy who was the Golden Spikes Award winner as the college player of the year who did hit home runs and th- throughout his life. That's what he did. And we put him in an environment where he, where he thrived. And when he came in in spring training of uh, – the first spring training down in Peoria, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have a, a first – spring training that really jumped out you know he played well he hit the ball hard he didn't have a lot of luck he hit homers and and it looked a lot like you know kyle lewis 2019 september he's got power he hits the ball hard we got to get to the point where there's some consistency Mm -hmm. there he came back for that summer camp and there was a different confidence to kyle lewis than really than i have seen since we drafted him back in 2016 he was running around he in the outfield. He looked like a, a kid. He looked yeah. like he did when he was first drafted before the horrific injuries. And he was bouncing around like crazy. And the, the power that he exhibited, and you guys saw it mm-hmm. in the summer camp, it was every day hitting balls in the upper deck, hitting balls, I mean, live BP, you know, smoking balls. And then in the game, I, I want to say it was like seven days in a row that he hit home runs. It was like the, you know, yeah. Dale Long, Don Mattingly. Exactly. Summer camp. Yeah, close <laughs> but, to it. You know, the, the the confidence just jumped off the page. The confidence with, you, with which he was running around in the outfield, the, the confidence with which he showed when he got in the batter's box, then it didn't matter who he was facing. And perhaps the biggest smile I flashed all year long was on opening day when that first at-bat, he, I mean, it, it felt like he hit that ball 700 feet <laughs> off of Justin Verlander, yeah. but it was Justin Verlander. Uh, yeah. You know, it was the Cy Young Award winner on opening day and the, 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 the big stage, the defending American League champs, and he hit the ball out of the ballpark. And, and, uh, and you could see in the, in the moment the chest just kept getting bigger and he believed in himself in... And that's step one. Uh, his talent's never been in question. It's it's off the charts big, and, and we got to see that in a, in a major way over these sixty games. You know, when I think about Kyle Lewis, I, I thought going into last season, I wondered would the season be long enough to answer questions. And I thought about it from your perspective, like, are, are, is it enough of a sample size for some questions to be answered? And I think about Kyle Lewis along those lines because one of the questions I think going into the season was. Could he be a center fielder? We're going to see him in right field. And, man, that was one of the questions in my mind that was absolutely answered. Yes, he can absolutely be a center fielder. I I mean, to to Rick's point, I mean, just that one play in left center field, you walk away thinking there's no reason he can't play center field. Uh, Kyle does so many positive things, and uh, he plays defense. He hits the ball far. He's a, uh, what he did last year in terms of just spreading out and taking effectively taking what the pitcher of the defense would give him when when runners were in scoring position. Yeah. Did a very it really hit like a veteran hitter, and and I think now he understands that he can go out there and he can take that approach and still hit the ball out of the ballpark, mm, yeah. and and it doesn't have to just be filleting something to to right field or throwing something back through the middle. He's you know he's he waded into the water and now he knows 
he, he really increased his his walk rate in a meaningful way, uh, and he's always had a good idea of the strike zone. We've talked. Kyle's going to strike out some, and mm-hmm. and I think the that's the trade off that you give to get the big high end power, and that's the case with most guys like that. As he ages, I think that number will come down yeah. because he will learn the league and he will learn what he's capable of. But you know what he has done and, and refining his game and what we were able to to determine by the, in this sixty game schedule, we didn't get to see it all. You know, you see highs and lows for players, especially young players, and and it does. It's not linear. It, it, yeah. It's not a. It's, it, it doesn't look like a, it doesn't look like a, a steady slope mm. upward towards stardom. It it usually has a bumps. couple of big dips yeah. and bumps. <laughs> bumps in the road, yeah. man. It looks more like my cardiogram. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, that's that was the, that was the season for Kalu and for Evan White. And that, like you will see the, the the big drops and the high upsides, and and eventually you get to that the steadiness, and yeah. that's when they start their their trek toward being you know the, that consistent star yeah. quality leader on championship teams. He was so much fun to watch, and all the young players last year, and more are on the way visiting with. Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto here on Hot Stove 2021. We'll be back with Jerry right after this timeout. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The stretch and the 2-0 pit swinging a well-hit ball deep to left field. Profar going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Dylan Moore ties it up. Here in the bottom of the eighth inning, it's the Mariners three, the Padres three, Dylan Moore's eighth home run of the year. And this is a line shot into the lower deck and left here at Petco Park. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill and our special guest, Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto. And Jerry, uh, looking back at the 2020 season, we talked about Kyle Lewis. What a great story. You had a number of great stories uh, last year as these kids had a chance to play. But you had a player in 2019 who played all over the place and did a heck of a job. And then last year, missed summer camp, missed the first few games of the season. He was here but didn't play because he tested positive for COVID-19. Dylan Moore had one heck of a year for your ball club, again playing all over the place. Number one, what did you see from Dylan last year, and is he going to find himself a home this year at, uh, at second base going into this season? Well, I guess in reverse, I hope so. On the last one, he, Dylan deserves the opportunity to to play every day, and second base is the spot that we have that that jumps out and and is the best fit for him. He's a good defender no matter where you put him. Uh, whether that's at second base, he's a good defender at shortstop. He's played. He's done an admirable job in the outfield when we've put him out there. Uh, you could argue he's one of the handful of best center fielders on our team. It, and it gets lost in the wash if you remember very early in his career when he had that the moment that third base mm, against the three Red consecutive Sox. plays. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll, I'll forever remember that moment in time as no way that just happened. But yeah. it's a he's such a much better player uh, defensively than than if that you know burned on your brain. Yeah. He's his versatility is a strength. Uh, he's played everywhere on the field. 
And, you know, throughout his minor league career, it, we signed Dylan as a major league free agent without ever having had a day of major league service. He, he had he came through uh, a number of different organizations, I think yeah. was originally a Texas Rangers draft choice. I want to say sixth or seventh round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, went by way of, of trade and, and minor league uh, free agency to, to the Atlanta Braves, Milwaukee Brewers. And eventually landed in six-year free agency, and we brought him on with the belief that his versatility was minimally going to give him uh, some utility, some, you know, twenty-fifth man value on a twenty-five man roster. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we really appreciated the athleticism more than anything else. The other thing we appreciate is that Dylan generally hit the ball hard, and you know, through his minor league career, he hit the ball hard. He had one, you know, what I would say is. Uh, a typical minor league season for him. Otherwise, go look at what he did in the minor leagues, and it's very similar to what he did last year in, in the big leagues. He's always had that talent level, and he's always hit the ball hard. He's been a good judge of the strike zone. He runs well. He's, he's an excellent base runner. So you, know, you give him the opportunity, and in 2019, like most young players, when they get their first opportunity, it looks a little bit more like that cardiogram. You know, sometimes it's three errors, sometimes it's three hits, and and you know, and Dylan wasn't uh, immune to the, to that normal progression. And then last year, he came in, he had more confidence, and he was sizzling the ball. I I do think that there was you know he made a subtle change in his swing approach, and his bat just spent more time in the strike zone. There's a you know, he had a what you would call in 2019 was an in and out swing, and you know, and there were times where he could get overwhelmed by velocity up in the zone, and and you saw a lot of swing throughs in 2019 from Dylan Moore. This year, we saw a better load, a cleaner bat path with a bat that spent more time in the strike zone, and as a result, more contact. And when Dylan makes contact, whether it be 2019 when it, when he hit 200, or last year when he was one of our best and perhaps most consistent offensive players he hits the ball hard when it's time to to put barrel on ball he does it hard and he did that last year and and we feel like that being he's he's in his late 20s he's had the opportunity now to play over two major league seasons he's made steady progress the worst case scenario for us is we have one of the best and most versatile utility men in the league the the, the 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 upside is that we have a regular player who can settle in at second base and just be a constant force for us, yeah. who we think can hit near the top of the lineup. Tied to that, we saw Ty France a little at second, a little at third. That's some kind of segue. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, how about that? Ty, Ty, yeah, it's good. Uh, I, what he, we saw from him was exciting with the bat. I mean, it, it, he came as advertised. He can hit. What do you envision his season looking like and his fit? We think Ty's going to play every day. Uh, it's a when we acquired him, he was one of the bats. We had, a, and I, I know I mentioned this to to you guys before. We had tried to acquire Ty France a number of times, uh, <laughs> and, and you know we are active. Uh, you know the live wire of trying to uh, you know attach me and AJ Preller. <laughs> we, we were uh, separated at birth, but you know Ty France, we tried to to acquire on multiple occasions. Really didn't have any luck. Uh, as soon as we acquired him, this is a, a fun story. You know, we acquired him right at the deadline or shortly before the deadline. Uh, we fielded four phone calls between acquiring him and the clock ticking down from contending teams that wanted us to then spin him and trade him to them. Really? Uh, 
and you know, so he was fairly in demand. He can hit, and guys that can hit, they play. <laughs> you know, Ty France, he can hit. He's always hit. He hit in college. He hit in, throughout the minor leagues, and and not just hit, hit a lot. And you know, we when we acquired him, this was we were we were very close to getting a deal done. We had just left San Diego, where he played well in a series against mm-hmm. us. The Padres went on to Colorado, and and uh, they were in the midst of a series that, that had playoff implications for them. And in that series, Ty France, in the first two games of that series, I want to say had six hits. And and I, I turned, I, Justin Hollander and I were, were working through the deal with, with AJ and the Padres group, and, and I turned to Justin and I said, could they not have gone anywhere but Colorado? <laughs> yeah. it, like the, Ty France, who was at the time hitting about three and a quarter or whatever it was, and uh, and Colorado in the yeah, middle of the right. summer, it, it, you're asking for. I said at some point they're going to look up and say, "How can we trade this guy?" <laughs> exactly. We might change our much. mind here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, Ty, he, we think a phenomenal offensive player. He's got a good idea of the strike zone. He uses the whole field to hit. Uh, like Dylan Moore, he's versatile enough to play at a variety of different positions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have Dylan's natural ease with the glove, but we feel like given the opportunity through a normal offseason and full spring training with Perry Hill, that we can really help him uh, on the defensive side. also feel like he somewhat gets a bad rap because he's never done anything on the defensive side to generate the type of reputation he has as a bat-only player. Mm. He's not a bat-only player. We feel like he's a guy who can play some second. He can play some third. He has played first base. He's a good athlete, uh, and he can hit. Uh, I think the worst-case scenario is, again, you have a versatile guy who's an above-average offensive player. The best-case scenario is you've got a regular, and we think he can be a regular as we move forward uh, You know, through our in our growth. He's, again, t- going to play this year at 27 years old. We think his best position is third base. And, and ultimately, his ability to be an everyday player will be linked to the progress that he makes defensively over these next, let's call it, 12 to 24 months. And we think it's going to be a positive outcome for him. This year, he'll get the opportunity to play every day. It's going to be some smattering of an occasional day at third to give Kyle a day off, mm-hmm. you know, a day or two at second base, and a lot of days at DH to keep the bat going mm-hmm. and and continue to acclimate him to major league pitching. Uh, I, I think he's done a pretty good job of, of acclimating on his own. But we'll give him those everyday reps and, and keep him sharp enough defensively and working with Perry, working with Manny. To, to, to develop his defensive skill set so that when the time to play defense full-time comes, he's prepared to do it. That was a heck of a trade, Jerry, because you get Ty France, who had an impact on the ball club in the second half of the season after the deal, but you also acquired Luis Torrens, who did a heck of a job behind home plate and got a lot of t- playing time back there with, uh, of course, the injury to Tom Murphy and everything, and the trade of Austin Nola, which made that trade possible. But then you also acquire Taylor Trammell, a very talented young outfielder, one of the top prospects in baseball, and also Andres Munoz. And I'm looking at this kid's numbers, coming off Tommy John surgery, throwing 100 miles an hour a couple of years ago, two saves in the big leagues, and he had a number of saves in the minor leagues, great walk-to-strikeout ratio, He's only 20, 21 years of age. What, and, and, you know, you, you want to beef up that bullpen, of course. What can you tell us about uh, Andres Munoz? What are we going to see from this kid? Uh, Andres, he was my first sounding board. Uh, one of my personal growth missions through this COVID shutdown was to, to learn Spanish. Really? Yeah. 
have not done a great job. <laughs> Say something in Spanish. Gracias. So you got it done. I've not done a great job of it, but I but I have been for about two hundred days. I'm dialed into my Duolingo okay. and I'm right. doing my classes and 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 I work with with the curriculum that our oh, the, our academic uh, group down in the Dominican comes up with. And and I've enjoyed it. So we acquired uh, Andres, and and I said to him on the telephone, I said, "Hey, when we get the opportunity to meet face to face, do me a favor. Don't let me speak English. Force me to speak Spanish." Really? And he said, "I got you, Poppy." And and we had a nice conversation. And then I got down and I met him live in Peoria. And I, and I walked in and I said, "Andres, how you doing?" And he went gave him the the elbow bump. And, uh, and he started speaking to me in Spanish. Yeah. And, it, and it went quickly. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, how's your English? And, uh, and he said, said, you told me no. <laughs> you should have said, como te sientes? No. So then I, the next two days I did. I did there speak to him in Spanish. Uh, although it was, let's call it elementary. But he has, you know, by our estimation, Andres Munoz, it's it's one of the best arms in the world. If, if you were just to, to it's, it's just a great arm. He has... His arm talent is irrefutable. He, he throws up to 104 miles an hour. His average velocity was about 100. <laughs> There's a, I mean, not occasionally hitting 100. His average velocity was 100 miles an hour, and and uh, and he was doing that at 20 years old. And you know, not shockingly, there put some stress on his elbow, and he wound up requiring Tommy John. But when we were going through that trade, we were looking for what the like what was the the who was the addition in this trade that gave it the opportunity to be a grand slam and yeah. and uh, and and Andres was the name we came up with that if we are willing to gamble on the fact that players do come back from Tommy John surgery and they do and they do uh, they do like ninety three percent of the time and and when they do they oftentimes come back with similar or even greater velocity. We're not really hoping for the greater. Simpler's going to be just <laughs> we'll fine. Take, we'll take, yeah, and uh, and he's got a killer slider too. And and you know he's a he's a wonderful kid. He's already throwing off the mound and okay. and well ahead in his progression. Uh, we expect that he'll be back. Let's call it mid season ish was the the target. And it's it, when you get the opportunity to acquire a twenty one now twenty one year old pitcher who throws 100 miles an hour with a wicked slider who's already appeared in the big leagues for the first time. He's kind of, he's made his progression. That's, that's what you're looking for. Mm. And, you know, and if we're able to tap into the upside that he possesses and, and keep him in a healthy, happy space, then, then we may have found an anchor man for our mm. bullpen for years to come. And, and, and we really feel like it's a real possibility with Andres. That's why I'm so excited about the 2021 season. And for many years to come, visiting with Mariners General Manager Jerry Depoto. We're going to talk about those young players coming up as we get a chance to visit with Jerry here on our first edition of Hot Stove 2021. We'll be back with the Mariners GM, Jerry Depoto, right after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Say, friends, we hope to see you back at T-Mobile Park next season. When you're ready, you can attend games you want, select the seats you want, and secure the savings you want. All for when you want with the Mariners 2021 Flex Membership. Now available with no deposit required. For more information, text 21 to 715 
1-800-636-1332. Back again, everybody, here on Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz, Gary Hill, along with our special guest here in the first hour, winding down the first hour, Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto. And, Jerry, you have been busy a little bit during the course of the offseason. We've got some new faces, uh, new players on this ball club. Tell us a bit about the, the trade with the Texas Rangers. You acquire their closer, Rafael Montero. Uh, what can you tell us about Montero? Uh, Rafi, he's 30 years old. He is, over the last two years, we feel like one of the the real hidden upside guys in, in this league. He's Because we were playing, he was playing in the American League West, he was coming back from uh, a Tommy John surgery of his own and was transitioning from starter to full-time reliever for the first time. It was a turbulent time for him uh, going through the Mets and and resulting in injury and and missed time with Tommy John. Surfaced with the Rangers in 2019, and once he came back to the big leagues and was transitioned to the bullpen, the stuff really was off the charts. Uh, It's, you know, 96, 97 was the average fastball with above average life can really sink the ball, uh, which is not common in this time of riding fastball. So it gave us a little bit of a different look. And he has really outstanding secondary stuff, including the the changeup, which is something not every reliever has. He throws strikes, he misses bats, and he's proven to be generally resilient since moving to the bullpen. So we targeted him early as a guy who might fit for us. As a you know, we we were looking for players that had multiple years of control that we felt like there was still upside, there was still some, some mm-hmm. th- they hadn't reached their apex yet, who could be with us as we continue to move w- with this th- this core of young players. And, and Montero was a guy we cited as we thought was a realistic target who we could afford to go get with our prospect capital without digging into what we thought was going to be, you know, uh, I guess the impact zone uh, on, yeah. on our young player. So we're thrilled to have him. We feel like he could do anything from be a premium setup guy to close games for us. And it just gave us a nice buoy down in the bullpen uh, as we started to, to recreate what that group looked like. We've seen the last few years it has not been an uncommon path to the big leagues or back to the big leagues for guys pitching in the KBL to come back and be really effective. Where does Chris Flexen fit? You know, Flex was it, it, maybe the most enjoyable things we did through this offseason were, you know, going and looking under the rocks mm. for guys that we really thought had a chance to be part of the long term with us. And you don't get a lot of opportunity to go out and access 26 year old free agents with the ability to start uh, who have four pitches. And in Chris's case, you know, he, he was a high school draftee by the New York Mets, came through their system very quickly was called up directly from AA to the big leagues to fill in in the the case of an injury and never quite got the runway to go do what he needed to do. It was up and down. It was send him to AAA, call him back to the big leagues. It was start. It was bullpen. And then ultimately they ran him out of options. And at 24 years old, 25 years old, they sent him to the KBO and and sold his contract rights to, uh, to, to the Korean baseball organization. He went over and roughly did everything you could do to show forward movement. He threw a tick harder, not a lot. You know, average velocities somewhere in the 92-93 range. He's going to hit as high as 95 and 96. He throws a ton of strikes. He can elevate his fastball to get misses. He can throw it down in the zone and locate to both sides. He's got both a curveball and a slider. And then he's got a changeup that has come a long, long way. We think that the... I guess the real positives for him for forward growth, 
his slider went from roughly an 80, 82 mile an hour pitch to an 87 to 89 mile an hour pitch, which is it makes it a very different pitch. It went from slider to more cutter, uh, but a short, hard cutter that missed bats and created you know poor contact in Korea. And his curveball was always of exceptional high spin. So he could really spin a curveball, but he threw it at unusually slow speeds. So as a Mets farmhand and even in the big leagues, he threw his curveball in the, the, anywhere from the high 60s to the low 70s and went over to Korea and added, you know, kept that same spin and added some velocity to it to where now, you know, from a pitching vernacular standpoint, you know, I'm going to go with a scientific term, really developed some teeth, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he's a four-pitch guy who who came, who went to Korea and learned. And uh, it's he comes over. He's 26 years old this year. He wants to be a Mariner. He fits what we're doing as a as a projection. He's also coming off of a 150 inning season, which which makes him a very unusual uh, addition in this climate. Mm-hmm. Most of last year's best innings guys even those who went through the postseason through somewhere between 60 and 80 innings and you know to take a pitcher from 60 to 80 to 200 is unlikely mm-hmm. to take a pitcher from 150 and just send him out and let him make his 30 32 starts that's great and we plan on running a six-man rotation like we did last year flex fits perfectly well in what we're doing we think there's still some upside in it but more importantly we think that he grew over the course of his time in korea such that now that that opportunity that he never seemed to get in the big leagues that confidence that we talked about with kalu or with dylan moore we saw flex develop that in in his time in korea and we're excited to see what he does with it when he comes back Looking for a bounce back year. What can you tell us about Kenyon Middleton? Who, man, when I first saw him with the Angels, Jerry throwing 100 miles an hour. And now you got him in the bullpen. That's how we roll. We just get high guys who <laughs> bouncing back off of injury and throw 100. But you know, I, I guess in addition, we also had a Rule Five in there. Will Vest, who yes. you know we picked in yeah. the Rule Five, and also throws in the upper 90s with a with a, with a good slider and a changeup. But uh, you know, Keenan is a guy I've known since he was drafted. Uh, when I was the GM in Anaheim, we had uh, we we took Keenan in the third round uh, out of a junior college in in Oregon, which is where he's from. I think he's from Milwaukee, Oregon, and and uh, good kid. Yeah, he really is. And and in as much as I like him as a person, he is a tremendous athlete. He was a basketball star as a high schooler and went to junior college to play basketball and transitioned to baseball. And uh, I think on the day he was drafted, had fewer than 100 innings pitched in his lifetime from Little League through college. And, and uh, you know, we took him and believed that there was upside to, to the arm if we could just get him to think like a pitcher and, and repetition. And lo and behold, uh, it, it took him a little while to get there, but uh, he's he's hitting 100 miles an hour, average velocity even last year, uh, roughly about 97. And uh, and he's got a really good slider, and his changeup has come a long, long way. So, you know, this is a guy we think the the best is yet to come for Keenan Middleton. He's he's just now first time arbitration eligible as a as a super. Two, uh, I think he he has four years of control left, uh, so he just slides right into what we are trying to develop at 27 years old, and and feel like the combination of his arm strength, the athleticism, his aptitude, and, and as you will find out with Key, he's a lively guy. You know, he's yeah. he's he brings some personality to the table, and yeah. and will fit so well into our environment. 
You referenced this early on. It's no secret. It's been a slow-moving market. How do you see the market developing the next month or two, and how active do you see the Mariners being in the market? We're still active. You know, we're checking in with with agents. We're checking in with other teams uh, as as possibilities present themselves, and we do intend to add. And, and if if we can add uh, one more arm to that bullpen, that that would be great. Mm-hmm. We are open to the possibility of adding another starter to the rotation, uh, and we're even open to the idea if the right bat, you know, particularly left-handed bat fell to us and obviously we would need that bat to be versatile uh it could be a little bit of infield could be left field some combination but just find that left-handed bat uh, that's what would be shopping for how i see that playing out over this next month or so is again it's it's mm-hmm. going to be dictated by when the market starts to break and you know there has been some action on the market and to this point, you know, it's been mostly surrounding the pitching. You haven't seen a whole lot of position players go off the board. But, you know, once you see some of the, the what I would call the mid-range free agents, and you, you see it today with Robbie Grossman. You know, uh, Robbie Grossman signs today. That now you have the ability to some water will start to flow. As yeah. it, that's what the, the top of the market really doesn't break it up. You know, I think the, you know, the, the, the guys in, in the middle of the market who appeal to 30 clubs, mm-hmm. they generally drive the market. And it's good to see some action. Uh, I do think that we will be, you know, some form of player on the market this next month or so but you know when it happens i I wish i could give you that timing i just know that when it happens we'll be there (laughs) jerry uh we're running out of time here in the first hour but i want to ask you uh we talked about hitting the ball and throwing the ball what about catching the ball last year and jp crawford and evan white evan in his rookie season both kids winning gold gloves last season how happy was perry hill and 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 how great was that to see these two young players put in so much work win a gold glove last year you know, it, it, I couldn't be prouder. I, it, there's, and I said this. I, I said this to uh, to Evan. I spoke to Evan, and and you know, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to be the GM of teams with rookies of the year and MVPs and All Stars abound. I've never been on a team that, where we had a Gold Glover, and uh, and that that we've been with a team as a general manager that where we had a Gold Glover, and and uh, you know, to have two of them, and and better yet, one guy playing his first pole to pole season in, in mm-hmm. JP Crawford, and the other guy playing his first season sure. above double a yeah. <laughs> it's uh you know it was remarkable to watch i think both guys were incredibly deserving and you know maybe more from a broad sense what our defense did uh, year over year how much we improved from yeah. 2019 to 2020 you know we haven't talked about much of our pitching and the phenomenal year that marco had or or i think the, the growth that we saw from justice sheffield and the, and the you know the the the, the surprise of nick marjavikis and and the, right. the, the the impact of anthony mishevitz so many positive things none of them means any more to us moving forward than our defense. Yes. Our defense with Evan, with Dylan Moore, who playing every day changes our defense. J.P. Crawford, who I genuinely all year thought there can't be a better defensive shortstop in this league than J.P. right now. Kyle Seeger's steady Eddie at third base. Getting Tom Murphy back at catcher to go with Luis Torrens and ultimately Cal Raleigh. We, we feel like our defense is really solidifying. That makes your pitching better. That makes every day better. That makes you a more consistent team. And those two guys you just mentioned, 
mentioned are going to be the anchor to that for a lot of years. Wish we had more time, buddy. <laughs> you, you are fantastic. It's, it's been a lot of fun here in the first edition of Hot Stove 2021. We'll, we'll get you back so, because we have so much to talk about. Jerry, thanks a lot for being our first guest of the year. You got it, guys. Hopefully it's a good 21 for everybody. It's going to be exciting. Mariners General Manager Jerry DePoto coming up in the second hour. We're going to visit with uh, Mariners infield coach Perry Hill. Also, that Gold Glove winner at first base, Evan White, along with Greg Johns. We'll be back with more on Hot Stove 2021 after this timeout.